Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slash Filmcast, the official podcast of SlashFilm.com. I'm David Chen, and with me are... Devendra Hardware. And Jeff Kanata. Welcome to the show, everyone. Uh, what we're going to do here today on this podcast, we're going to talk about some what we've been watching, uh, and then we're going to move on into an in-depth review of A Wrinkle in Time, the newest film by Ava DuVernay. Uh, joining us for that review is going to be Angie Hahn who uh, used to write for SlashFilm.com. Now she's over at Mashable.com. Really looking forward to having Angie on the show. Uh, find more episodes of this podcast at SlashFilmCast.com. You can also email us at SlashFilmCast at gmail.com. And uh, before we get to what we've been watching today, uh, I wanted to acknowledge the winners of last week's contest. Uh, we gave away, uh, or we are giving away, I should say, uh, a Blu-ray two-pack of I, Tanya and Get Out. Um, and uh, we had a bunch of people enter this contest where we asked people to share uh, their favorite celebrity sighting. Over 160 people entered, and uh, two people won. One of them is Anthony Batista Ramil uh, from Brooklyn, New York. The other one is Meg Tracy from Orlando, Florida. So Anthony Batista Ramil and Meg Tracy from Orlando, Florida. Congratulations. Uh, I'm going to read Anthony's uh, favorite celebrity sighting. Anthony writes here, quote, I went to David Zadar's reading of Squirrel Meets Chipmunk in Hawaii uh, with my girlfriend in 2011. We waited in line forever to chat with him, but I was nervous and he was not in a cheery mood. Turns out he just had his laptop stolen, which he described later in the book Let's Explore Diabetes with Owls. Suffice to say, the interaction was awkward and disappointing. Also, that book wasn't his best. Fast forward three years. (laughs) My girlfriend was now my fiance. We were living in New York, and David Zadaris was coming for a reading of Let's Explore Diabetes with Owls. We arrived early, and so did he. He started casually mingling with the early birds, and when he got to us, I recounted our first meeting and told him about our engagement. He apologized about his mood in Hawaii and gave us some honeymoon advice, and on the page in which he describes his laptop getting stolen in Hawaii, he wrote in my copy of the book, we meet again under better circumstances, end quote. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, I thought <laughs> nice. that was a cool, yeah. cool little story. Um, you never know when you meet uh, a celebrity, like, what situation you're meeting them under. You know what I mean? Uh, it yeah. might be the worst day they've ever like had us. in their life. Yeah, just like mm-hmm. us. Uh, you, it might be the worst day they've ever had in their life, and you're encountering them. And, and then, like, you know, it's very frequent that people say, oh, I met so-and-so celebrity, and they were a complete asshole. And it's like, well, you don't know. You, that- you, have, you have no idea what they're going through, you know? What's that uh, Dame Judi Dench story where uh, she's like, um, you know, you get to you get to have different moods, uh, but I'm I'm Dame Judi Dench, and so you know, if, if somebody meets me, I have to be Dame Judi Dench every time they meet me. Yeah, but you right. get to have different moods in your life. But for me, it's like the the person who pops in and goes, "Oh, Dame Judi, there's a phone call for you." I can't be like ah because they're gonna be like. Hey, Dame Judy is such a bitch. I just told her she had a phone call and she freaked out. You know, it's like I have to be on all the time, every right. person I meet, because I'm Dame Judy Dench. It's very true. Uh, Meg Tracy also wrote in uh, with a Kirsten Dunst sighting, uh, but really it's her postscript that I wanted to read. Meg writes here. I wanted to share another story with you. While it isn't technically a celebrity encounter, it felt pretty cool to me. I am a freelance scenic painter in Orlando, and I listen to a lot of podcasts while at work since I mostly work with my hands. I'm going to pause here. Jeff, do you know where the story is going? <laughs> no. Last year, I ended up working for three months at Pandora in Animal Kingdom. 
Uh, mostly during the graveyard shift. And I cannot express the true surrealism of painting all night inside the land of Avatar while listening to you guys endlessly debate the cultural relevance of Avatar, (laughs) especially when you discuss the impending opening of Pandora. I often had to stifle exhaustion-fueled laughter at the ridiculousness of my life in those moments. Thank you for the hours of entertainment that has kept me sane at work. Listening to all of you enhances my movie-going experience exponentially. That's from Meg from Orlando. And, uh, yeah, I mean, certainly for, for Meg, Avatar is a culturally relevant experience, right? Yeah, I mean, if yeah. you're spending your time mm-hmm. creating the magical land of Pandora, uh, it's got to be. It's got to be magical. So, anyway, thanks for everyone who entered. Um, thanks to uh, the folks who helped us do these giveaways for the last few weeks. Um, I actually asked uh, our contact there if, if we had, if there were more giveaways in the future. Um, and uh, our contact, Tyler, says, uh, right now, the next movies I'm working on are Fifty Shades Freed and Tremors 6, A Cold Day in Hell. Uh, I turned down those giveaways, unfortunately. said hard pass. Hard, hard pass. pass. Hard pass. But guys, Although, those movies... The question, the question we could have <laughs> asked for Fifty Shades uh, would have been an interesting one. Yeah, sure. definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um, but, you know, as a free shout-out, uh, Fifty Shades Freed and Tremors 6, A Cold Day in Hell, those movies are coming out on Blu-ray soon, guys. Uh, so just keep that in mind. All right, Jeff Kanata, what have you been watching this week? I'm really I, I'm I should have been watching the last five Tremors or last four Tremors <laughs> movies. I've only seen Tremors one. I didn't know there were four I need to catch up on. You do, yeah. Um I have been watching a couple of things. Uh I was very intrigued to see Faces Places, uh, which is a what? Documentary? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it was, it was nominated for Best Documentary at the Oscars. Technically, I guess, is a documentary, but it's really not. It's, it's a narrative – it's sort of a reality show <laughs> as a movie. Um, we, it follows uh, – it's a French film, a subtitled French film, and it follows um, two people, uh, director Agnes Varda and photographer muralist J.R. Uh, and – uh, they, these are very interesting people. Um, Agnes Varda has a long storied career. Um, she worked with Francois Truffaut and, and all these other people. And, uh, if you, if you don't know about JR, you've undoubtedly seen his work. Even if you don't know his name, he does these very, very large scale photography projects. They're black and white photos and he posts them on large, wall spaces like giant like three four five story tall things it's he's very famous uh and they evidently struck up a little friendship and decided to create this movie together where they go across the country and make art they basically do these photography projects they find interesting people learn about their lives and then take their portrait and post it in large format on buildings and uh, I think it's a charming little movie. It is not uh, – it it's quite long uh, for what it is, uh, 90 minutes. <laughs> but but uh, it, 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 it feels long because it's basically the same thing over and over. You're just finding out – finding these, these different people. And uh, the people are very charming. Uh, France is very charming. I'm, I'm taken by, by the French countryside myself. I've been – uh, my wife and I have been to France and absolutely fell in love with it. So just seeing the French countryside and going to small towns and large ones, 
as they met these interesting people and found out about their lives, everything from factory workers to a waitress in a small little uh, hillside town. And they kind of spotlight just the pure humanity of these people going about their lives and then kind of blow it up large scale. Um, I, I don't understand all of the hype for this movie. It's a charming little movie that made me smile, but it, I don't think it is. Um, I, I didn't, it didn't move me in the way that some other really great documentaries have, or even some other, uh, movies about art have, uh, I, I, I found it to be lovely, but not particularly impressive. Gotcha. Well, I'm looking forward to checking it out, and I'll let you know if I disagree, Jeff. Um, yeah. But the movie is Faces Places, and it has won a ton of uh, Film Critics Awards. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to uh, watching that on video on demand. Uh, anything else you'll be watching, Jeff? Yes. Uh, I have said before on this show that I am a huge fan of Sneaky Pete which is the Amazon original um, show that's produced by um, produced by Brian Cranston, uh, who was also in season one and stars uh, Giovanni Ribisi, among others. This is a show about a con artist. I love con stories. Uh, season two has just premiered in all its glory. Uh, as you know, on Amazon, you can watch the entire season at once, just like Netflix. Um, I've only gotten through the first two episodes, but I loved season one and season two starts off with a bang. It literally starts the moment season one ended, which I love when shows do that. And man, you know, this is very much a genre right now. It is very, there are lots of shows like this Ozark and Breaking Bad and on and on and on these movies where they just put these characters in increasingly dire situations and see them try to squirm and get out of them. Um, characters that are, you know, on the edges of morality, but man, I, I really dig these kinds of shows. And this one is very smartly written. Uh, I think the first episode really starts with a big bang and it, it, it's fun. It is fun. The, the con game, uh, that this, this show constantly puts on display is really smart and really fun. It's like little heists and little, you know, uh, the sting moments uh, in each episode and, and walking the tightrope. This show is about a character that's assuming a different identity and can't be found out. And that tightrope is really fun to watch. I thoroughly recommend sneaky Pete, which is just started its second season on Amazon prime. Very cool. Uh, I watched the first few episodes of season one, really enjoyed it. Uh, just haven't gotten around to finishing it, but maybe I will soon. Uh, that's sneaky. Yeah, Pete. Same. Uh, Devendra, you've been watching a few things. Uh, just one thing I kind of want to bring up. Uh, it's actually related to A Wrinkle in Time. So now that I think of it, uh, I got to see the Sailor Moon R movie in theaters, guys. Are, oh. is, do you know how exciting that is? It's pretty exciting. <laughs> it's it's pretty exciting because I, uh, you know, I, I grew up as an anime fan and a fan of like, you know, all sorts of interesting cartoons. And this was probably one of the first series I got into. And I also remember not being able to talk about it with many people because it was tough being <laughs> A, you know, young boy into Sailor Moon, but there we are legion. There are many of us <laughs> out there. And it was great seeing this movie in a theater with like, I definitely saw like people who grew up watching it too. Cause, and they brought their kids and the kids were really into it. And also people watching the series or this movie who are just completely new to it and just loving everything about it. Uh, but just like Wrinkle in Time, it is about 
a young girl who's definitely out of place and is really awkward and doesn't really like much about herself, but you know, finds, finds the love for herself uh, with the support of the friends around her. Um, I thought, I thought the movie, like I've seen this movie before it is quite good as far as like uh, anime films go. Um, there's a new dub here. Not a biggest fan of, not as big a fan of that compared to what we had in the mid nineties. Uh, but it's pretty good. I just wanted to say that it was kind of cool watching a Sailor Moon movie in a theater, in an art house theater here in New York, uh, with a bunch of like mostly adults and a couple kids. I don't know. It was a fun experience. And definitely if you're into like the themes of wrinkle in time, uh, Go check out this series. It's all in like Hulu now, I think. Cool. Uh, awesome. So Sailor Moon R, <laughs> you saw it in a theater, and the series is on Hulu, you said? I believe either Hulu or Crunchyroll now. It was on Hulu for a while, and then things got moved around quite a bit. Cool. Let's move on. Uh, before we get to our review of A Wrinkle in Time, we have to thank all the people that donated to the Slash Filmcast. Uh, thanks to Mauro Mueller from Zurich, Switzerland, Richard M from Natick, Massachusetts, near Miles Stomping Grounds. Chris P gave us a uh, Chris P, I should say, gave us a massive donation this week. Really appreciate it. And also uh, Sharik Chowdhury from Tucson, Arizona, writes in, "Hi, Slash Home Crew. Uh, I just want you to know this donation is an appreciation of providing me with years of entertainment. It's definitely not a direct result of the public shaming last week by my friend Azim Tajani. So." Uh, you know, I was doubting, but I'm glad that Sharik uh, Chowdhury cleared that up for us. Really appreciate that, Sharik. Yeah. Um, also, uh, Jacob Shimilar writes in with a donation. Uh, he gave us basically a $1 donation a week for the year. Nice. And he writes here, I'm always glad to see a new podcast come up. Sometimes I don't get to download it in time before I go to work, so I use up 30% of my precious data per month in Canada oh, where three gigabytes of a shared uh, family plan is considered a high roller just to make sure I can listen to the slash Filmcast. Thanks to Jeff for wow. being on TRS for helping me to find the show as well as for his wonderful taste in feel good cinema to Devendra for his more out there genre picks Dave for his documentaries and equally out there picks and Christy for uh, being all about those Brits makes a diverse pool in which to learn about things coming out. I might've missed hopefully in main reviews, Christy will be, fun- be able to find more joy in the upcoming films than some of the ones you guys have reviewed recently. Recently. Um, but uh, I, I, and he writes here. I, I feel bad that she's had a streak of stinkers. It seems I look forward to this new version of the film, uh, film's mightiest podcasters. So thanks to Jacob nice. uh, Shimilar for that lovely note, as well as for his donation. Thanks also to Brian Hayes from Bel Air, Kansas, um, and new subscribers at the rate of two dollars per month: Tim Cho, Derek Chang, Joseph Johnson, Yannick Poirel, uh, Music, and Andrew Gergich. For donating or rate of two dollars per month, if you want to support what we do here on the podcast, go to slashfilm.com, click on the slash filmcast tab, use the PayPal links on the side of the page. You can also go to paypal.me slash filmcast. That's paypal.me slash filmcast. Uh, thanks to all our donors this week. Let's get to our review of A Wrinkle in Time. For a reason. What if we are here for a reason? What if we are a part of something truly divine? Imagine 91 billion light years traveled like that. Sweet dreams are made of this. Your father has accomplished something extraordinary. Also dangerous. Everybody's looking for something. He's trapped by a darkness 
that's actively spreading throughout the universe. That was from the trailer of Wrinkle in Time, the newest film by director Ava DuVernay. Joining us today for our review, she is the deputy entertainment editor of Mashable.com, recently promoted Angie Han. Welcome back to the Slash Filmcast. Angie, congratulations, and also how are you doing today? Thank you. I'm doing fine. And congratulations to you on getting promoted in your relationship. I hear you are getting married this weekend. That's amazing. That's true. Uh, thank you very much. Wrinkle in Time. This is based off the book by Madeline Lengel. Have we all, did we all read this book when we were uh, in you know, middle yeah. school? And yeah, school? Kids. I did. Yeah. I did not. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Uh, I, I read the book by Madeline Lengel, and I really enjoyed it. I, I found it to be quite effective, and it was you know one of my first... Uh, encounters with sci-fi as a kid and so I uh, found it to be like a, a really great read uh, and, but at the same it's got, time it's got one of those titles that's irresistible yeah, to a kid great, yeah, you know? yeah great title perfect uh, at the same time it did feel like it would be pretty difficult to film uh, and so <laughs> my question for you Angie um, and you've written a review for Wrinkle in Time at Mashable.com uh, is how well do you feel like uh, the screenwriters and the filmmakers were able to translate this story to the big screen? How do you feel it holds together as a film? Uh, well, I can't compare it to the book at all because I did not read the book, and I actually do wonder if that's why I maybe liked it a little more than it seems like most people I've talked to have because I didn't have the same expectations going in. I didn't really have any expectations. I just knew it was like a you know, big fantasy movie. I do agree that it's a, you know, the story's a little bit messy, but the emotional stuff worked for me incredibly well. So I, I was really enchanted by this movie. All right. Um, what, what, uh, did you find most, uh, effective about the movie? And, you know, I, I've heard a lot of people praise its earnestness and, and kind of the, the positive message that the movie carries. It is a very earnest film. It is a very, uh, wholesome movie, right. That seeks to uplift, uh, was there a part of the of the story or the themes that resonated most with you? I do think that what you said about how earnest it is, how sincere it is, like just how pure it is, it's it's hard for me to resist. And, you know, like, yes, obviously, I've seen movies that are earnest that I didn't like, but like something about the way this one does it just really got me. Like, I, I feel like within 10, 15 minutes of the film starting, I was really just so hooked emotionally. And I think that that's why, like, like after that, I was like, I'm along for whatever this movie is going to do like wherever we're headed i'm there mm. all right uh, and um uh, and then like and then like yeah the, the messaging like you said like it's uh i, I, th- I really liked the, the lead girl a lot storm reed she plays meg murray i related to her very very much like i feel i don't know I, I feel like maybe some of the reasons i responded to it are like personal or specific to me so maybe it, it didn't resonate as much with everyone but all i know is that like it hit me really hard can i can i ask more about that like when you say it, it's really personal like talk more about that like what was so resonant with you about uh, meg murray's story i really liked uh her arc of just you know at the beginning of the movie she's just this girl that doesn't really feel comfortable in this world she's a girl that she kind of carries herself like she wants to disappear like she doesn't want anyone to look at her she just wants to be a completely different person and like i feel like you know as a teenager i think a lot of people go through that i definitely did and that was part of it that just you know it was it's one of those movies that that I, i'm watching as an adult and thinking like oh i wish someone had told me this when i was a little kid and just feeling so uncomfortable in my own skin mm. all right um well uh, Devendra Hardwar, I want to ask you, what did you think yeah. of Wrinkle in Time? I feel like I can, I can feel your contempt in that, hmm, Dave, 
but uh, there is zero yeah. contempt uh, for this movie. Certainly not. Certainly zero contempt for Angie. Um, no, not for Angie. Just for this <laughs> movie in general. Um, but for me, uh, I also I read Wrinkle in Time uh, as a kid. Uh, it also was one of my first like sci-fi things, along with The Giver. You know, there were a lot of mo- there were a lot of books um, that were marketed to kids that were all about like fighting against conformity guys and like sticking up for your individ- individuality and your weirdness and i found that all really compelling as a kid because i was certainly that weird kid um so i loved the book as a kid i'm rereading it now and it's still like as interesting as ever uh this movie is really it's it's kind of a fascinating thing because if you look at it through the lens of like what makes a good movie i don't i don't think it's necessarily a great movie Um, There are a lot of script problems here. There's a lot of, you know, things going wrong. Uh, There were times looking at this movie where I I sort of questioned, like, why things were happening, even though I had read the book. Um, But at the same time, like, it does work on some really uh, inspirational levels. Um, I kind of like it to seeing Hook for the first time, right? Like, I I grew up loving that movie. I I recorded Hook off of some TV channel, and uh, I would wear out VHS tapes just rewatching that movie, and I have to re-record it again. It's like over and over again. Uh, that was my life. And then I grew up and uh, lo and behold, everybody tells me Hook is a terrible movie, even though it's a movie I love and it means so much to me. I actually just rewatched it recently and I can certainly see like the problems. Uh, but at the same time, um, still something I love. Uh, and looking at the kids in my theater, uh, I saw it, uh, early Saturday morning. They were just enthralled. By this thing, uh, I think along the same ways. Like it has great emotional beats. Um, the inspirational messages are there. I think in some ways, uh, this book replaces the Christian imagery, or this movie replaces the Christian imagery of the book with the sort of like really gung ho. Um, I don't know, like, like self empowerment kind of self empowerment. Yeah, like yeah. TED it replaces talks, religion with like, self empowerment and more secular. It replaces religion with Oprah, basically, <laughs> and everything Oprah says. Um, but I mean, but she's already kind of religion. In yeah, I was going to say, I, I think that's still religion. <laughs> she, she is she is God in this movie, but I I kind of appreciate that too. So. Uh, I'm of two minds. I know technically not a great movie, but I had a lot of fun watching it and I really enjoyed seeing how the kids were responding to it. Even when, you know, I wasn't fully on board with it. I think it's a, you know, really important film. It's a tough thing to discuss, right? Because I feel like there's a lot more going on here than just the movie and just the script and the acting and everything. I feel like we're talking about Ava DuVernay as this like powerhouse filmmaker now. And it's it's a tough conversation to have. Um, I think she this movie is kind of a glorious mess to me in the same way that Hook is. Yeah. Oh, can I ask you a question? So I like the mm-hmm. movie, but I haven't read the book. Should I read the book? I think you'd love the book. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's like a classic, you know, uh, a YA classic, I would say. So mm-hmm. I, I, have I was aware but... of it growing up. I just never got around to it for some reason. I have yeah. nothing but fond memories about the book for sure. Um, well, I don't, I don't remember the book well. I remember reading it and loving it, and I was into that and a book called The Girl with the Silver Eyes. Yeah. At the same time, and I, I much preferred The Girl with the Silver Eyes. But it's funny, I, I was really taken with these books with with female protagonists. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know why that is, but um, I, I, I went into this movie not really having a clear memory of the book at all. So mm. it's been so long, you know. Well, Jeff Kanata. Given that you're going in basically fresh, what do you think of A Wrinkle in Time? Um, I, I was very much rooting for this movie. I think, you know, Devinder kind of touched on it a little bit. Uh, a, a big tentpole type movie, a big uh, effect spectacular helmed by a female with a big diverse cast. It's something that 
I wanted to love. I went in primed to be excited about and uh, and support and feel like, yeah, this is the way cinema should be going as far as representation and uh, opportunities for for different kinds of filmmakers to tell these really big, cool stories. And having a, a vague fondness for the for the book, I was very excited to see it. And I should say, you know, it's, it's one of those movies that you feel like you have to caveat a lot because mm-hmm. I do want to support that kind of filmmaking. And more than that, I feel like as a male, uh, there are certainly lots of movies you can point to from my childhood that are not good movies in the abstract yeah. are not, you know, I have a fondness for monster squad and the explorers <laughs> and, and even stuff like uh never ending story. Probably if I looked at these kinds of movies uh, with the eyes of a full grown adult, I would find more flaws in them than my mm. young eyes were saw. And I was just taken by the flights of, of fancy in them and the stories and young boy fantasies that, that they were representing. And I'm fully aware that young girls or even not so young girls who remember being young girls, uh, I'm not saying that's Angie, but maybe <laughs> there are people, uh, that it, this movie spoke to that wouldn't necessarily speak to me. That said, lots of caveats there. Lots. I hope people all heard that stuff. And also um, you loved Selma, right, Jeff? <laughs> That's the thing you want to put in there. <laughs> right. There is there is an what? onion uh article, right, that came out this week entitled Negative Review of a Wrinkle in Time Peppered with Critic Assuring Readers He Still Totally Supports Diversity. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jeff, I, I know that you would have voted for Get Out three times if you could have. <laughs> right. I love Selma. Hey, I loved Wonder Woman. I loved uh you know. Um I think this movie is is very bad, um, very bad. And I think uh, other than I think very charming, a very charming lead actress. And that's about it <laughs> that I think where this movie works. I, I'm looking forward to getting into spoilers and, and picking up specific points. But I think this movie is the prime example of uh, the opposite of what we all think should be done, which is show, not tell. Right. Mm-hmm. This movie is tell, not show. And I'm constantly being told things about the characters. I'm constantly being told things about the universe. And what I'm actually shown doesn't really hold together, isn't particularly dramatically well-structured, isn't particularly interesting. I don't think the effects are great. Uh, I thought the ride was barely coherent. Um, it, I, I think this movie, from an adult perspective, I think this movie fails on on pretty much every level. And it pains me to say that, but I kind of feel like if I'm honest, I, I have to say that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I was very, very disappointed with it. And I'm hoping that Ava DuVernay's next movie is better. That's all. I mean, there needs to be room for, you know, yes, it's great that we got a black woman directing this like big effects driven blockbuster type movie. But there needs to be room for people like that to like it can't be Black Panther and Wonder Woman every time. There there needs to be room for people to be able to make these movies and then fail or stumble a little bit. Absolutely. You know, as you pointed out, there also needs to be room for little girls to have these like imperfect little fantasies or like, you know, little boys who like this movie, too. Like, I I think none of us are the target audience because we're not children. (laughs) But it is, um, so, I mean, it is very much a, a children's movie, and there are 
great examples of movies that are for children that also work on an adult level. And I think, you know, I Pixar movies come to mind, but there are lots of examples live action as well where you can say, wow, this this works across all ages because it doesn't talk down to kids, because it it is really well structured dramatically and it does all the things that a great movie does, but also speaks to kids on their level honestly. And I I can't say that this movie achieves that. And and it's fine, as you say, it's fine for there to be these failures. And it doesn't say, oh, women shouldn't be helming big movies. It There are plenty of failures from men as well. And it doesn't have to be representative on that level of, you know, that conversation. And like I said, I hope Ava DuVernay's next movie is a home run and I will fully be excited to see it. I just think this one was a big miss for me and – um, I, you know, I have to be honest about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Angie, let me ask you the, the question about, uh, perceiving this as an adult versus as a child. I mean, um, I, I hear Jeff talking about oh, movies we watch as kids that we enjoyed as kids. You, you watch them as adults and, and they're not as enjoyable, right? Uh, or we, we can recognize the flaws. The scales have fallen from our eyes. Um, do you have any reaction like that when you're watching Wrinkle in Time? I mean, do you feel like this is a movie that, oh, like, I, I recognize this for, like, a great kids movie, but as an adult, I see all of its flaws? Or are you just, like, totally in love with the movie, the flaws don't matter to you? Like, what's your approach to this? Yes and no. I mean, like, I came into it as an adult, and I loved it as an adult, and even as I recognize it's for kids, it did work for me as a person who is not a child anymore but at the same time like you know i have a feeling that when we start to talk a little like start to pick it apart a little bit more i'm mm-hmm. gonna like i can acknowledge this movie has a lot of things about it that are messy that don't quite work a lot of things that kind of just like skip around and dis- are disjointed but like i don't know it's one of those movies where what did work for me i liked enough that the flaws didn't bother me overly much mm. okay um well i guess it's time for me to share some thoughts and then we can move on into spoilers. Uh, can I just say that I share every single one of Jeff's caveats, and then I don't need to repeat them all? <laughs> no, you have to just say blanket them all statement. Over Do I need to say again. them all again? Um, Ibid, yes. I mean, otherwise yeah. you're say, sexist. Ibid, Ibid, upside, you know, like <laughs> ipso facto, e pluribus unum. <laughs> Uh, everything Jeff said, Ava DuVernay is awesome. And we should note that this is like a, a, a historic uh, occasion at the box office. You know, uh, one of, I think, the only times, if not one of the few times in history where uh, the top two films of the box office have been helmed by uh, African-Americans, uh, Black Panther and Wrinkle in Time. And that is uh, an awesome achievement. And, I mean, I think Jeff kind of hints at this meta issue going on of wanting to celebrate this uh the fact that um we are seeing different faces on screen and different faces beyond behind the camera uh and that we want to celebrate that we want to advocate for that and we want uh hollywood to keep doing things like that but we also need to be true to ourselves when it comes to the actual movie and sometimes those two things are in tension with each other um so all that being said uh, I really hated this movie, and I thought it was an excruciating experience that <laughs> lasted way too long. Um, I At no point in this movie did I think anyone acted like a recognizable human being. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought it's – like you said, Jeff, in terms of telling, not showing, 
I thought it was mostly um, like bizarre character beats happening like you recognize like oh um this character beat is supposed to happen at the end of like maybe a three hour long movie but it's just shoved right into the middle of the film um Mm -hmm. like whole arcs take place in like five minutes and and these characters go from one place to another without any uh explanation characters change their personality uh rules are introduced left and right uh reese witherspoon turns into a lettuce leaf at one point uh, without much explanation. So I found it to be a random assortment and bombardment of events and colors uh, without much of a unifying storyline uh, or uh, much, and, and as a result, without much mo- emotional impact. I am stunned that a $100 million studio film was allowed to be released into theaters in this condition. And unfortunately, I did not enjoy it, but I don't, I, I, I want to like, um, you know, make space for people who did enjoy it to talk about why they did enjoy it. So I do want to say, as I was watching this movie, Dave, I was just thinking to myself, man, Dave is going to hate this movie. <laughs> Dave's going to hate this movie so much. I, I hear everything you're saying. I, I can totally understand why like this movie is getting crushed in the reviews because technically it, it ain't a great movie. It's not a well-constructed film. And I think a lot of the problem lies in the script because uh, it really dices up a lot of what happens in the book and just kind of things just happen. And there's no reason for them. I think the introduction of uh, you know Reese Witherspoon's character just kind of comes out of nowhere. It took a while for me to get used to what she was doing in this movie. Um, and everybody, into well, <laughs> well, just not like even that, like her, her attitude, like the way she's acting. Yeah, everyone's if, if I'd basically never seen, playing themselves. If I'd never seen a Reese Witherspoon performance before, and this was the first time I'd seen her on screen, I'd be like, "Wow, this is a terrible actress." <laughs> and that's that's not her fault, right? That's mm-hmm. that is. She is trapped inside this thing that makes her seem like she is in a community theater project, and and right, I, right. It, it, it's because the the tone and style don't work, it don't mesh. It is a it is a weird mother goose thing that is stuffed inside a very earnest um, kind of uh, dramatic world, and those things just don't work together in this context. They don't, the way this movie presents them does not work. And th- I mean, that's just one tiny part of what I think is bad <laughs> about this movie, but it is it, it, all of that stuff just doesn't work. It yeah, doesn't I, work. I, I think, you know, you're, you're talking about the script Devendra and I agree that the script really lets these actors down. Um, I also think the look of the film is fairly unremarkable. Like it looked like an ABC Family TV show. You know, it didn't really. Uh, I, I, I don't, Dave. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> do, yeah. do you do you watch uh, ABC Family? Because I, I will tell you, this still looks a lot better. Um, have you seen Once Upon a Time? Because that show looks like trash. Um, but yeah, I, I see what you're saying. It yeah, I mean, I didn't, I did not, I did yeah. not find the the look of the film to be super impressive. I thought the the way the costumes kind of interacted with the CG was pretty mm-hmm. rough and occasionally it looks laughable, like people, you know, looks like people wearing costumes. Yeah, it looks like yeah. people wearing costumes. It doesn't look like other uh, you know dimensional beings uh, right. in, inhabiting this space. Um, so yeah, this is the, the community theater production of you know Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. It is. <laughs> it's like. Oh, you you see the work of the costume designer, and, exactly. and that is not good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not um, what you and, want. and that you know that could work in a certain circumstance, right? Um, mm-hmm. But it's clear that the film is reaching for for far more. 
than that. I do think like one of the effects is kind of cool. The the like um, tessering effect, like the mm-hmm. uh, universe being made up of these like flapping pieces of fabric. I did kind of like that visual, so uh, that was that was interesting. Um, and I think, uh, like you said, uh, Storm Reed, the main character, the main uh, the, the actress who plays the uh, main character, and uh, Chris Pine does a pretty solid he's job. Fantastic. As, he's he's a, he's a solid Chris in this movie. But um, Angie, let me ask you: like, <laughs> I, I know Chris. we're kind of bagging on this film and how it looks and feels. Like, wh- how did you feel about uh, the aesthetics of A Wrinkle in Time? I mean, I don't disagree. I do think it looks cheap. I do think, like, cheaper than it you would assume it is based on the fact that this is, like, a major studio production that they seem to have spent a lot of money on. Like, you know, you're right that the costumes of the kind of the Mrs. whatever's, like, they look kind of, like, odd. A lot of the CG, like, a lot of the very clearly, like, you know, green screen CG backdrops look like green screen CG backdrops. And yet... Like, you know, you kind of hit upon, like, how its its uh, ambition outpaces its reach. And that's so it's, in a weird way, I find it kind of endearing. Like, have you ever seen a movie where you're just like, oh, my God, you're trying to do so many things and you're yeah. not really quite doing them, like, as well as you should be. But I just love the fact that you're fucking going for it. And that's so kind of like, how I felt about this movie. It's like Cloud Atlas for 10-year-olds, basically. Yeah. Just, like, trying, swinging so hard. But also a lot like uh, Interstellar for kids. Uh, yeah, in many I mean, very I, literal ways, yeah. Yeah, I have such a soft spot for movies that just, like, that almost seem like they're overly ambitious and, like, mm-hmm. you know, like, there's just too much. They're trying to do too much. They're too sincere. It's just, like, movies like that, I just have such a soft spot for. And yeah. this definitely hits that spot. <laughs> um, I'm the same way. Like, I'd much rather see a movie swing, you know, for the fences and miss and you stumble a little uh, rather than something that's perfectly fine. Because I don't feel anything about perfectly fine movies. Mm. Yeah, uh, it's true. I definitely felt intensely about this film. So I think <laughs> I think you are. I can agree with you guys on that front. Um, there you go. But why don't we talk a little bit more about the spoilers for Wrinkle in Time uh, starting right now? Now you're looking for the secret. Trying to see this coming. No, but you won't find it because, of course, you're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret now. You want to be fooled. Guys, this week I had a chance to see this film that stars a heroine who is in complete and total grief after the man she loves uh, the most disappears. So she goes after him into this strange land. Uh, and during the adventure, an ally of hers turns against her. It's really crazy. Um, the finale has this big struggle uh, where a double of hers appears, and they have this big conflict where they battle each other. But enough about Annihilation, guys. Let's talk about A Wrinkle in Time. Boom goes the dynamite. Boom goes I the dynamite. You, you could have done that with Wonder Woman and still have Chris Pine. Like, it's... <laughs> can we, yeah. she didn't face can a we double. just get on the record? Can yeah. we just get on the record that I did not laugh? At your joke, nobody you laughed. Yeah, no. <laughs> I just want to put laugh? that out there. <laughs> you should be you should be aware that these are not intended to achieve laughter. Yeah, no, that's uh, correct. Thank more you, like Jeff. groans. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. groans. If it's any like the film, if it achieves any reaction, I consider it a success. So, well, yeah. if, um, you, if you want to know, I was doing the kind of hurry up, move it along hand motion. So I there see. You go. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. That's, <laughs> You're welcome. That's the, that's the intended re- <laughs> response. <laughs> uh, I mean, let's talk about that finale. I, I, I guess um, uh, when you, uh, you, you know, I read on Twitter that this is like an intensely powerful moving experience for you, Angie. And I guess like 
Yeah, when when you left the theater, what was your feeling, uh, particularly about the ending? You know, like, did you find it empowering? You know, did you find it inspiring? Like, what what was it that uh, did you find the ending to be effective? I turned to the one other critic who I think loved it as much as I did. No, there's a few of us, but I did happen to sit next to one of them. It's Christy Puchko, whom you guys all know. Yes, indeed. Um, and we just kind of like turned to each other and she was just like, um, and I was like, I think I loved that. And then we were just really happy for the rest of the evening. It was great. It's so funny. When I, I was sitting next to another critic at my screening, and I turned to them and I said, am I awful for thinking this movie's terrible? And he's like, no, it's terrible. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, that, there's, a, there's a gender difference here, and I think that's not something we should brush past. I think, I think uh, you know, maybe there, there is something speaking to women and the fact that this is, is speaking in that authentic voice. I, I think maybe that's a good thing. You know, I don't know. I mean, like, I think there's certainly things for, like, you know, clearly you don't have to be a girl to, like, relate to her self-esteem issues or something. But I do think that, like, you know, I don't know what it would have been like if I had watched this movie I was the same but a man. But I do think that um, watching it as a woman, there were things about it that felt, at least to me, to be, as you said, like, kind of authentically female experiences. Mm -hmm. Like, I think uh, just the, the very specific ways in which she doesn't feel like she measures up to what the world wants her to be are things that I think at least for me, like hit hard in terms of me remembering the way that I felt at that age. And like that double at the end where you see like, oh, this yeah, is the, yeah. you know, this is the like, this is in her head, the woman that you're the girl that she always wished that she could be and whatnot. Like I was like, oh, I definitely remember being that age and having that image of a girl that's like that, like, you know, pretty popular, confident. Like I remember that feeling. So that did uh, hit me pretty hard too, which I feel like I keep saying, but yeah, <laughs> it just worked for me. Jeff, I think earlier you had uh, said that you had some issues you wanted to share. Yes. Uh, there are basic dramatic script things that yeah, good scripts yeah. do that this one – I mean I have some specific examples of things that I just left me scratching my head and going, this isn't difficult. <laughs> this is not – you know. for example, I mean there are a bunch, but but one that springs to mind is – uh, we have we have this bizarre scene uh, of of having to meditate correctly, uh, which is inherently boring to watch. But um, um, we, you know, she we we find out that she has failed and that she needs to go back home. The 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 misses tell tell our heroine that she needs to go back home and just go back to Earth. We've we failed and. We go through the tesser and we go through the entire thing and we wake up and we realize that, no, we actually went to the evil planet instead because she thought the wrong thought or something. Any other movie that is that cares about, you know, setups and payoffs would have planted the fact that that's possible in the movie at some point. So there's this dramatic tension of where are we going to wake up? Because the movie presents the wake up as some kind of mystery. And yet we are never given any kind of information that it's possible to mess up this Tesser move by thinking the wrong thing. And so that just that bit of knowledge that it is really important to have in your head, the right thought to go through the Tesser would have contextualized all of the, meditation moment that she needed to do uh the 
and, and really added some dramatic tension to where is she going to wake up? You know, mm-hmm. is it going to be earth? Is it not going to be earth? But the movie just goes, Oh, Hey, it's not earth. And you're like, Whoa, wait, that was a possibility. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a disorienting moment, but Jeff, like two, like you guys are saying, you want the movie to show and not tell. And that whole meditation sequence is about her, like trying to find the balance of like how she thinks of herself and, you know, trying to find, yeah, it's, it's all symbolic for finding balance in her life and everything. Cause she, that's, she is, she's just too extreme and the other people are better at meditating and they, they have the balance, they have the self-confidence and self-will. It is, it is certainly disorienting. Once we land the other planet, we find out, Oh no, well you took us off the, you know, t- target. To me, I took that as like, Oh, you have this, like you have the power to do this and even you didn't know it and we didn't know it. So I think there is certain value to that. I mean, also who among us hasn't lost our way while thinking about how much we love one of the Chris's. Exactly. <laughs> have you seen his eyes? Like, and I also like the uh, comparison photo with the, uh, the team America world police guy. Yeah. Exactly yeah. the same. Funny. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, yeah. but uh, my problems are even before the moment you're talking about, I, I agree with oh, what you said yeah. and I disagree with Devendra, but I, even before that moment, in that scene, you know, Zach Galifianakis, what is that character supposed to be? You know, he, he gives her this inspirational speech like, you don't want to end up like me, like a fat loser in a cave. And it's like, wait, we're supposed to think this guy's a loser? Like, I didn't even know. Yeah. It, the movie doesn't even set up what what the social hierarchy of these characters is, you know. And, and Reese Witherspoon is clearly in love with him, right? Like, she's yes. infatuated with him. So I, I think they're supposed to be dating or something, like, in their weird metaphysical <laughs> wherever so they So he's not yeah. a loser because... Yeah, he's, he's dating Reese Witherspoon, you know what I mean? Like, how, how much of a loser could he be? just ragging on Reese Witherspoon and hating on her lettuce leaf form. <laughs> I mean, she finally found a man who appreciates her for what it is. Leave the girl alone. You mean no. leave the girl alone? Uh, oh, my goodness. Uh, Uh, Yes. Also, we have, I mean, there are many, many, many things. We have a scene where the three misses give three gifts, like, you know, Wizard of Oz style, like here are the three gifts. And any other movie, those pay off in really important ways. The, The gift that Oprah gives is I command you to stay together. And literally the next scene they are not together. <laughs> yeah, she just it, her gift was advice. She wasn't. She didn't say, I, "I'll give but, you a magical thing where you guys can't get split up." She was right, like, "My no gift one... to you is I'm going to give you really useful advice that you then, for you know various reasons, yeah. are unable to follow." Well, no, 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 fine no, with that. no, no. So stay together. They go through the tesser, and then the little boy is gone. Like, He's a small child. How no, good are little boys at not getting lost? The movie makes no <laughs> attempt to to make that bit of advice have any meaning in the exact next moment. No one goes, no. "Oh my gosh, she told us to stay together, and he, we're not together." Or, "Wow, mm-hmm. we uh, w- this is a problem because we're not together." Or, "Oh my god, we got to find him so that we can follow the advice of the misses." Like, no. It is completely abandoned in the literally the next moment. That is not true because the, the like the first thing they do is try to find the kid. So they're going after him. They're not happy that he wandered off, but he's a little boy. Little boys do that. Like that's how kids get lost in the mall all the freaking time. And so then they're trying to go after him. And I do mm-hmm. think that that's also that's as much for the audience so that, you know, like, you know, something really bad is going to happen. Like it's building anticipation and setting up that like something horrible happens if you get separated, which it does later on, you know, like. But OK, so then later on they find him. And I think visually that scene on the beach is really interesting. It's vibrant. It's it's yeah. a it's a sense of danger in a place that shouldn't have any danger. Like that's a really cool idea. Right. 
But then we see this character that we know nothing about that is vaguely menacing and doesn't tempts our, um, I'm, I should have the names of all the characters in front of me. Uh, what's his name? Calvin, I think the, no, boy, the, the brother or Charles Wallace is the Charles Wallace. Tempts yeah. Charles Wallace. So you're saying Mike, by... Michael Pena, who's playing Red, tempts Charles Wallace, right? right? The, little, Pena, the little child. Yeah. He, yes. He, he tempts Charles Wallace by literally doing the, mo- the most basic multiplication tables. Uh, you know, two and two is four, three and three is six. And so we think, I, I guess the only reading of that scene is that Charles Wallace is such a high intellect that he's finally hearing someone speak in a way that is compelling to him. And so that's why he follows. There's no moment of turn for him that like shows any reason why he makes that turn into a villain. Uh, We we have the other gift. The other gift that Reese Witherspoon gives is I give you the gift of your faults. And in that moment I went sitting in the theater. I went, what are her faults? Okay, so I think that the faults thing is actually really important to the theme because like throughout the whole movie, she's always just felt like, you know, I'm not pretty enough. I'm not nice enough. Like I need to be like, you know, friendlier, more popular. I need to be more like the whole Zach Galifianakis scene is about how she feels like she's just she's just Mm -hmm. too much. Like everyone's just like, oh, my God, just like calm down. You need to like his he's called the happy medium because that's the whole point. Like you need to balance and like center yourself and whatnot. And she's just she's just unable to do that. But it's also like those very things that like you know as you pointed out send them on this like left turn where then they end up like trying to save her father and all that so i you know i i, I from I what understand. i from what i understand the book does a better job of outlining yeah. exactly what that means you know just from having talked to people who read the book but i thought like in the movie i thought that the theme it worked well enough for me like i kind of got what they were trying to do my, there my my point is that that it it is the vague notion of faults the her she's like accept your faults whatever they may be and we I go, think, oh yeah, this is a character that has faults. But I think later it's in the that, movie, like, she later in the clearly, she clearly thinks that she has faults, and I think it's more about that than about us looking at her and being like, oh, this girl is like, you know, dumb and boring and whatever. I think she, it's it's more just like, you know, she has to learn to make peace with what she perceives as her own faults. Mm-hmm. But these these are vague notions of faults, and later in the movie, in the in the climactic moment when she is faced with. That decision facing her alternate self and and Charles evil Charles Wallace, she enumerates them and says what her faults are. And the movie up to that point has not made an example of any of the things that she's enumerating. She literally lists the things that she doesn't like. That's the whole first act, Jeff. Though, like no, it is not the whole introduction to this character. She is somebody embroiled. Like all she thinks about is everything she does wrong. She gets into fights with teachers and like her principal, right? Cause she, because she's mouthing off her, on these adults. We watched her stand up for herself. That's not yeah, a fault. Uh, yeah. She but threw the ball at the kid's nose because that is, that is shown to us in the beginning of the movie as this noble moment of standing up for yourself. There's no moment. There's no context there from we, us as the viewer thinking, wow, she, this is a girl with faults. This is a girl who is misunderstood, who, finally stands up for herself we these are all noble things right but she doesn't understand that about herself 
That's yes, the, that's the, the entire part is, of this movie. Yeah, it's it's about her kind of accepting herself and like yeah, she stands up like you under you're with her. You're supposed to root for her. You're supposed to like her. You're supposed to find her like charming and likable and stuff. The problem is that she doesn't. And in that moment when she stands up to herself and like fights back against a bully, she's immediately punished for it. She gets sent to the principal's office mm-hmm. where he scolds her and he's just like, you know, you need to get over the fact that your dad is dead. Like you've been acting <laughs> out. Like you know, he basically just like calls her a brat. She goes home. Her mom yells wait, at her. Wait, wait, and wait, she's wait, like this I, is not just, an appropriate way to behave. Can we stop but, right there? I, I don't mean to step on you at all. I just want to sure. not blow past anything. All, okay. all of those, all of those moments, right? We are on her side. The, the, she's you not are done on anything. her side, well, but listen. I'm saying, yeah. All right, go ahead. She, 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 she it, it, it seems to me that her principal telling her that she needs to get over her father, like mm-hmm. the, even the way you presented it, is a preposterous notion that doesn't show her to be having any faults. Like that's not a fault of hers that she cares about her dad. It makes her principal seem like an unreasonable person. Right. I think that the journey is maybe more, I think that like what I related to it is that it's a very internal journey because as you point out from the outside, like other people, including her friend and her parents, like they like, they see what is good about her and they like her for it. And like, we can see that she is, that she's strong, that she stands up for herself and all that. But then she has like, you know, she does have these external forces that kind of like, like the girls who are bullying her, like her principal, like even her mom, when her mom scolds her for having hit that girl back. Like, she does have these outside forces telling her, like, these are wrong. And it seems like she's kind of internalized, like, these are things that are wrong with me. So, like, we can mm-hmm. see from the outside and, like, as grown-ups with some distance from the situation that, like, yes, she's a great kid. She's going to be fine. She's super strong. She's super smart. She's on top of it. But, like, you know, at the point where she is in her life, she has these outside forces or, you know, that she's internalized these other people telling her, like, this is not how you're supposed to be. You're being a girl wrong. You're being a kid wrong. Like... So I think that I, so then the movie is more about is a more is a really internal journey. It's it's not about her kind of becoming like like it's not only about her being like oh she sucks in the beginning but she's awesome at the end. It's about her thinking I suck in the beginning and then realizing at the end oh no I'm pretty awesome. Like she has to catch up to what we already think of her by the end. I I that is a perfectly valid read, reading of of the movie. I just don't think the movie gives you that information. I think that I know more about her bully neighbor than I do in that context of like hating herself and thinking she's bad in one shot where we see that girl look at the mirror and see the list of like, don't eat carbs, all that stuff in one shot. I know more about that character and, and feel more empathy to, toward that character in, in her sort of self-loathing and, and, you know, unreasonable self-image problems than I do about our main character who is then presented as, Hey, accept yourself. I, the only issue that I ever see with our main character in this movie is it sucks that your dad left and you have to be the adult in your world. You know, like I, I just think I'm not trying to invalidate your reading of the movie in any way. I'm just saying I think for me the movie fails to present information that it then thinks it, it fails to plant the seeds that it then sows. I don't know. I mean, for me, like, you know, and like clearly you have different reads of the film, it's fine. Like I we're both entitled to our own opinions. At least for me, it worked because I think it's a lot of it is in her performance. Like, I think that Storm Reed did such a good job of kind of carrying herself like someone who clearly thinks she's kind of worthless. So that that's one of the ways that it worked. And I do think that, like, I get what you mean about the popular girl and, like, how it sketches in really broad strokes, how she has these very, like, specific societal things that are bothering her. But I think I, I kind of like that Megs were a little bit more undefined. Like, it's not like there's something specific that is like obviously wrong with her 
And like, yeah, we can we can move on from this because I think it's pretty clear that you, we just have different kind of ideas about what we wanted as arc. I'm just trying to explain to you why it worked for me without invalidating how you feel about it. I, get I appreciate it. that. No, for, I, I, and, I, and for the I record, uh, I agree with some of what Jeff is saying, but uh, in terms of the overall uh, feel of the movie, but I actually disagree, and I, I'm with Angie on this one that. I think it is largely an internal journey, and maybe they could have given you a little bit more. But I, I, I thought largely it was um, achieved uh, what they were going for. I mean, re- at, at the end of the movie, they're comparing her to like Gandhi, right? I think you know, they're like Gandhi. Like, look back through history Einstein, and all the people. Gandhi, like, it's like Gandhi, Madame Curie, yeah, yeah. Ma- you know, Curie, and so on. And it's like, okay, well, I don't think the movie really gave us enough to like for like that amount of hero you know uh lionization (laughs) but uh i can also understand why um if i was a kid watching this movie uh i would you know like and i related to that character uh that would be really powerful for me you know to see that so let me ask you this question angie uh we talked a lot about storm reed i think we all uh, thought she did a pretty good job in this movie playing meg murray we have not really talked about the other characters um, okay. Charles Wallace and I have opinions on the other characters. Calvin, played by Levi Miller. <laughs> yeah, so uh, you know, one of them's her little brother, and the other one's this uh, dude. So, um, friend, what did you think? Yep. This this dude. Period. Uh, no follow up. Um, what did you? Th- how did you think their chemistry worked? Uh, how did you think they all fit into the story? Do you think it worked uh, well? Okay, let's we can talk about Calvin. I, you know, I think that he works well for what he uh, the functioning serves in the movie, which is to be her love interest. He's he's not that exciting of a character on his own, but that's fine. Like, how many times have we seen a movie where like the lead has a love interest and the love interest isn't super fleshed out? They're mostly there to be supportive. So I was fine with that. Right. What I do appreciate is that like Ava was totally serving up like the teenage equivalent of beefcake. With that, there's a scene <laughs> where the kid it like gets wet and takes off his shirt, and he's a child, so he's still wearing a shirt under it but when i saw that i was like oh my god 12 year old me would have been like thank you ava duvernay like for this great favorite because he's a really like cute look at that wife beater oh man but it's like like he 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 has exactly that kind of look that i'm like oh like little girls are are gonna be like all over like this is like the cutest guy they've ever seen he's gonna be like their first crush like i was like so i was just like good like ava i see what you're doing and like my younger self is just like you know uh, down our knees being like thank you thank you thank you so i did like him i thought i thought that their chemistry was just like you know he's not a super interesting character but he's really he's fun he's game he's cute like i thought that they worked well together and i was you know rooting for them to be buddies or maybe to like go on a date i thought it was really cute at the end um charles wallace i think was a lot more uh, uh tricky for me i think that the kid as written is just like just oh, yeah. from concept up it's almost an impossible character pull up because it is, it is insufferable so... child character like the archetype <laughs> yes. is how it's written yeah and not In only that but like yeah. it's dialed up to like 20 like that kid <laughs> is so precocious so pretentious like anything you've ever thought of a precocious kids they like turn it all the way up and like i do not think the actor does a good job but i also don't think it's his fault because i think it's almost an impossible ask but then at the end we're talking spoilers so at the end when he turns evil he's super creepy and i was like oh that's why they <laughs> cast him because he's good at being really creepy yeah, yeah yeah i thought i thought he did do uh a decent job in that last scene where he's screaming at her with all the scars all over his face that was pretty good ugh, ugh. why does he turn evil yeah I mean, there's no because he loves math and the sandwiches were made out of sand <laughs> i don't <Yeah>. know <laughs> right i don't know and calvin is another ex- i mean i'm 
I'm sure everyone listening to this already hates me, but <laughs> the, I, I'm sure it. Uh, Cal- thank you. I appreciate that, Angie. Uh, <laughs> Calvin is another example of the thing I was just talking about with regard to sort of botched, basic, dramatic storytelling, which is he's super into her from day one. Like, there's nothing... Mm-hmm. There's nothing that changes about him. There's nothing. And I understand you guys are like, well, she, it's about her accepting herself. But, like, he keeps telling her how great she is to her face. You don't even know how great you are to her face. Like, she didn't need to go through this grand adventure. <laughs> this this is, you know, Jeff, of all the points you brought up today, this is the one I'm least sympathetic to. I mean, I think that, uh, I think that we have witnessed uh, decades of movies of extremely thin, uh, and I mean character-thin, female love interests, right? Um, sure. so, thin, thin, physically thin too. Yeah. Physically thin too. I'm yeah. not even. I'm not even arguing that that he's thin. I'm. I'm <laughs> and that's fine. I understand the idea, and I know that if Christy was here, she'd be all over me on this one. <laughs> that finally, this movie is doing the thing that women have been doing. I get that, right? And I think that's a perfectly valid thing to have. This, if that's the point you're making, to have the the uh, flimsily constructed uh, eye candy have a gender swap fine but i would argue that even in those in the cases where that has happened with with females they there needs to be a something plot wise that turns them to the side of the hero right it's 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 the the thing that happens in the course of the movie has to have some effect right they're, they're, they don't just automatic – they don't start from the same place that they end. The uh-huh. course of the movie, you know, the teen wolf thinks he's into the one girl and he realizes he's into the other girl. The All these bad movies, quote unquote, that are flimsily constructed with a, uh, you know, love interest that's just hanging around, it uh-huh. seems to me that if he starts in the same place he ends in and she – starts in the same place she ends in like it does with regard to their relationship what's the I, point i i i, I did, like i you i hate you so much right now jeff because you're putting me <laughs> in a position to you need to defend, defend this movie. movie you're you're, you're yeah. making me defend this movie but it's like <laughs> everything you're saying is complete nonsense right now jeff because because right. uh, you I'll, know I'll like shut up th- think of like american i'll get enough emails i don't need you know whatever <laughs> no but like america like think of like uh, there there was a sketch that amy schumer did on her show of like that like the uh, the woman nominated for an Academy Award, right? And it showed like a montage of all the roles they played, and it's all every single one is like crying wife on phone talking to yeah. male hero of the film, and it's like in those movies that character changes not at all, right? But that's a different trope. Yeah, I'm ju- I'm I'm just saying he's not like the crying. He's not the crying. Hu- I mean, we have that in this movie too. Actually, <laughs> we have the crying wife who stays at home through the adventure and waits for the husband to get back. Yeah, but she's not uh, the main character. But yeah, but, I, I but mean, I, I'm saying the, none, of these, none of those are the main character that you just brought up. Those yeah. aren't the main character. And you think you're saying that you think Calvin like, is the main I character? They, like, I don't know. He's the main. He's the main love interest. Like, that's not. 
you you you're sort of at cross purposes with your tropes in my no I I, I think like this is a this is a the gender swap is completely fine in my opinion most female love interests are uh, not very well written this male love interest was not very well written it does not feel like you know basically women can make movies with with poorly defined love interests too I think is really right. the message but, but, I get from this yes that, I I started with that Dave I started with that that is that is I understand that's what's going on and. I think that's totally fine. I but, disagree with you, but I can see why you came to that conclusion. Oh, thank you, Angie. <laughs> because, uh, okay, um, I think that for better or for worse, it, he's a character that really, like, in, at least in the context of this movie, almost entirely just exists to serve her arc. Mm-hmm, right. And I think that, like, the story of their relationship is that he's always been interested in her, but she does she hasn't felt like she's kind of worthy of his, like, love or his affection. You know, there's that scene in the beginning where he wants to hang out and she's just like, no, 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 I don't want you to be seen with me. It's bad for you. So like, I think that, and, but like having already established earlier that you don't think she has much of an arc in that direction. Like I can understand from that, from your perspective, why it seems like this relationship is completely stagnant for me because it, because I think that her internally she changes so much to me, that's what his whole, like that's what, that was mm-hmm. what the role that he played in her storyline. He has his bit of character growth too, right? Where he's like, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to my dad because historically go well. his that, dad that, that does not go horrible. so well. His dad seems terrible. That's the next movie. It's going to be really sad guys. Oh, um, but God. to what you're saying, Jeff, I wish we met him in the school. Like I wish in that environment, like the environment where maybe he's very popular and she isn't. And we kind of see that, you know, that relationship or how they interact there. It is weird to just introduce him in the middle of this walk. Like, is there a walk? I agree with that part. She's just like, she's just hanging out with her brother. And then suddenly this dude just shows up and he's like, by the way, we're all friends. And I was like, Oh, okay, sure. I guess that's when I knew the script was (laughs) like, this movie was in trouble because it was Uh... like, Oh, this happened in the book. So, uh, I, okay, sure. This happens here. Yes. I mean, you're right that if, they, like, even just putting him in that shot where she's at the school and the girls are being yeah. mean to her, like, that would have established that some he's someone thing. who exists and goes to school with them. Yes. <laughs> Instead, yeah. he's just some rando. <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, I'm going to keep stepping in it. Um, <laughs> we have uh, Mindy Kaling uh, as the Bumblebee, oh the Bumblebee of the. <laughs> Wrinkle in Time universe, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, which is, I think, actually a kind of a fun or would be a really fun quirk uh, if the quotes actually were were not like the most obvious quote you could. I mean, if if she was quoting really interesting people, but it's, you know, it's like Shakespeare twice and uh, Rumi, you know, it's like way to be on the nose, Mrs. Who. Um <laughs> But, I like how Jeff is uh, judging the poetry of this kid's movie. I mean, <laughs> like, wouldn't it be yeah, cool if, if, if it sounded like she was actually saying a, a line of, of her own and yet yeah. it was attributed to somebody else? It's it's like the most surface level Wikipedia search for uh, I don't like quotes. the outcast quote. Like they had a lot of fun with that trope. Like what Would they you did. like Jeez. her to quote like David Foster Wallace or something? <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> not, I wouldn't. You. Well, okay. yeah. I'm just saying, okay, but that's not even my problem. My problem is then for no reason for no, whatsoever. I agree with you yeah. here, Jeff. I agree with you here. I think it, I that you. quirk is just dropped. It is just <laughs> abandoned. It's in the same scene where the movie is just like, by the way, all the stuff we told you about how this universe works, they don't apply anymore. Anyway, yep. have fun. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I agree. That That's structured oddly. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm glad we're all in agreement that, that was terrible because that was terrible because <laughs> it's like you have this awesome quirk, even if it, I feel like it wasn't utilized to its maximum effect. 
don't just go, oh, fuck that. We're not doing that anymore. <laughs> it, it is completely baffling because they do have two uh, – like after that point, she basically just delivers exposition. But you have two mm-hmm. other characters who can deliver exposition. Why do you need yes. Mindy Kaling to do that? I'm, no I'm, I'm going to push up my glasses here, guys, uh, because they did set up that uh, she involved Bianca language or whatever. So she's just right. using quotes. And the whole the whole reason it falls apart in that one scene where also all the rules change is because they're getting weaker. And that's it. Like, oh, we we got to go. We gotta leave but, this place because this, you know, darkness is sucking our energy or something. So it is, it is established. It's not great, but what, there's a thing. What I thought was like, I was like, there's like basically an infinite number of words. You're telling me she can't piece together yeah. some sentences that would explain this, so that we don't have to then additionally explain why she <laughs> isn't doing this anymore. I mean, it didn't like, it didn't like make me mad. It was just like kind of a that's an odd choice, but sure. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I was so invested in the movie at that point. I was like, anything you throw at me is fine, including this. I don't get it, but sure. All right, as we wrap up the review here, let me ask you this question, Angie. Uh, my guess yes. is given that this is a movie made by Disney and that um, Disney is in the franchise business, you know, they're in the blockbuster business, uh, my guess is they're hoping that this would uh, spawn sequels, you know, um, mm-hmm. that this would become a, a franchise starter. Um, there are many more books. There yeah. are many more books, right. So are you looking forward to more adventures of this group of folks? Yeah, I mean, I. I, I would at least be curious to see how it turns out. I don't think it's it's messy enough that I don't think I'm just like, oh my god, well, whatever it's going to be is going to be a masterpiece and work just as well for me as this one <laughs> did. But I do think, uh, you know, I liked it enough that I'm curious to see where it goes. I'm certainly curious to see where the talents go. Like, I'm dying to see what Ava does next. I am so happy about Storm Reed, and I'm really, like, eager to see how her career develops as a young actress. I like Levi Miller a lot. That's a boy. And, of course, Chris Pine is just is just doing great being the sad guy in these <laughs> female-led movies, female-directed movies, and good for him for that. Yeah. We literally haven't spoken about Oprah Winfrey and how giant oprah winfrey just makes no damn sense remember I mean, when she's a giant and the kids like pat her on the cheek while they're flying by on reese witherspoon's a swiss charted i sound like i'm on drugs right yeah. now <laughs> but i love that this movie gave time for that moment too yeah. like it doesn't it doesn't accomplish anything but it's i think as kids we're flying around now i'm, I'm gonna do this thing because she's a giant yeah that's that's what i mean about like even when this movie does things that make no sense i'm just like i am just so enamored that you're even like mm-hmm. we need to include a scene where this happens i'm like you really didn't but i'm glad you decided that you did yeah all right let me ask let me close by asking you this question jeff like do you feel like maybe there is enough here with these characters that if the script was a lot better and the visuals were a lot better Mm -hmm. and everything was generally better if you're asking me if it's a if it's a different movie would i like a different movie (laughs) would you you like yeah yeah, would you like a sequel to this movie (laughs) (laughs) i mean I, i um I, I I don't like the fact that you're the one that said I hate it, and I'm the one that now is in the position of uh, somehow you you did the three card Monty on me. Uh, but uh, I, I like yeah. I did I did I did I do like Storm Reid. I think she has a very bright future. Uh, I'm hopeful that Ava DuVernay's next movie is better than this one, and I generally like. Uh, you know, the fact that this diverse cast it was brought together in a really interesting way. But I think this movie is one of the worst movies I've seen in a long, long time. And and I'm I feel bad and I know I'm gonna get lots of hate mail, uh, but um I that's how I feel. Yeah. I just wanna point out, like we suffered through two really bad Harry Potter movies uh at the beginning. 
And then we got, you know, Quaron's film. So there, I, I think there's potential to do something interesting with these franchises, especially if they like fix up the script problems. All righty. Uh, well, uh, Dave, are you are you looking forward to sequels to this movie? No, I'm <laughs> seriously, not. Dave, answer your own fucking question. Yeah. Yeah, on this podcast, yeah, uh, no, no, I, I I award this movie no points, and may God have mercy on its soul. Um, <laughs> I, but I, you disagree with every point I've made, and uh, just so you know. Wait. Dave hates this movie for completely different. No, that's right. That's right. I had completely different problems with it than you. Uh, <laughs> not. I'm being a hundred percent serious. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I, I just, I, I really. This was. I, I paid to go see this movie, and it was totally a situation where if we were not <laughs> reviewing it, I would have walked out about halfway through. I mean, I think um, my my audience was made up of primarily teenage girls as well. And uh, they it, they felt very restless. In fact, um, they were so restless that a gentleman sitting behind me went like got up and at one point gave uh, a pack of girls a stern talking to for disrupting the movie. Um, so, which is like, which is really interesting because it happened literally three minutes before the end of the film. So I was like, dude, just just wait it out. I was gonna say, is it is it pre wait or it post uh, wet t shirt contest with <laughs> Calvin? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it, well, it was <laughs> right, right at the end. So, uh, okay, but yeah, I, uh, yeah, I'm you know, Devinker, you, really, you bring up a really Dave. good point, which is like, yeah. um, there, there have is there is some record of franchises having a terrible start um, and still surviving. But I mean, uh, I think that any of the Harry Potter films is more enjoyable than this one. I mean, I think like I, I was trying to run through. Like what you other movies? Really are... hated those Harry Potter movies. Yeah, I didn't end. like. I didn't like. You know, Valerian. I think it, is a better yeah. film than this. You know, like there's more oh, yeah. interesting concepts, more to look at in Valerian than in this movie. It just, um, I wish I liked it more too. I just didn't, unfortunately. <laughs> but I am grateful, Angie, for you coming on the show and and patiently explaining to us why we're all wrong about this. Yes, um, thank you. So uh, we are grateful for that and. Uh, let's wrap up. You can find more episodes of this podcast at slashfilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Our theme song comes from adamwarrock.com. Our spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker Kyle Hillinger. Stay tuned to hear what we'll be discussing next week. In the meantime, Angie Han, where can we find more of your work on the internet this week? You can find me on Twitter at AJHAN, and you can find my rating at mashable.com, including my review of O Wrinkle in Time. And I heard uh, you are moving to LA soon. Is that right? I am moving to L.A. If all goes well, it should be around the beginning of May. So if you're in L.A., then let's be buddies. I'm in L.A. Oh, great. Then let's we'll be, be buddies. buddies. You guys can bond over your love of wrinkle in time. time in person. <laughs> <laughs> we can go watch the sequel together. I would love yeah. that. Uh, but seriously, it's so awesome to see um, your profile continue to rise in the uh, entertainment world and looking forward to seeing all that you're going to produce in L.A. So safe travels, oh, Angie. Um Jeff Kanata, where can I find more of your work on the internet this week? You can always follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Kanata with two N's and one T. And uh, I have several other shows. The thing I'd like to talk about this week, actually, though, is I was a guest on a show that I really like. If you're into board games at all, uh, I was on a show called Ludology, um, which is hosted by a couple of game designers and is uh, a real one of my favorite podcasts that I listen to. It's really smart. Uh, really interesting, and yet they managed to actually invite me on. So I don't know. They decided to not be so smart for one episode. But I'm on episode 171. I recommend you listening to Ludology anyway, but uh, listen to me talk about uh, the relationship between board games and video games on that episode. It's fun. How about you, Devendra? 
Oh, you can find me on Twitter at Devendra and I write about techandgadget.com. And yeah, speaking of other shows, I was also a guest on the Download Podcast. So you can check that out. It's episode 45, Android Pop Rocks. Just chatting up some tech news. Cool. Find all my stuff at DaveChen.net. Follow me on Twitter at DaveChenSky. That's DaveChenSKY. Uh, next week's going to be a weird episode because um, I think Jeff Kanata is <laughs> probably not going to be here. And uh, instead, he's going to be joining me here in Seattle along with Devendra for uh, my wedding. Um, and I think we're going to be recording a Slash Filmcast live at my house. Um, sure. With uh, Devendra and Peter. So, yeah. And we'll be discussing The Death of Stalin, the new film by Armando Inucci. So, look forward to that. And uh, thanks for listening to the official podcast of SlashFilm.com. We'll see you later. which is the Amazon original um, show that's produced by um, um, (laughs) – I'm going to look it up. Hang on. That's some really creative noises there. The mystery. I'm going to edit this out.